How's it going, church? Everybody good tonight? It's good to see you guys. Uh, welcome tonight at Connection Church Pooler. My name is Michael Page, and I get the awesome privilege of being the campus pastor at Connection Church Pooler. Um, God is doing so much at this church. I've, I've, I've loved watching him move in ways that I, I can't imagine um, that would have, he would have ever done in this soon in, our, in our, the life of our church. And one thing I always I pick on Thomas a lot is um, a long time ago um, in a land far, far away, I used to be a worship pastor, and um, words and music just get me in a way that I can't explain to you. And like the words of that song we just sang need to roll over us some, you know. And so, you know, one of the things that I love about, about the Lord is that he, he did not hold anything back when he came after us, right? Isn't that, isn't that awesome? So many times tonight in church, I think we come into places and, and, we, and we come into this place and, and I, I really want to ask you tonight to just, um, just get intimate tonight with the Lord. Let him in tonight. Let him, if you're a believer tonight, that's awesome. Let him speak to you because one thing I do know if you're a believer, he never wants you to stay the same. He wants you to progress, move forward in your faith. Okay, so tonight, let the Lord work in your heart. If you're not a believer, let the Lord work in your heart because one thing I do know is you're not here by accident. You've been placed in this seat tonight for a purpose and it's an eternal purpose, a purpose that God's um, had from the beginning. And one thing I wanna kind of express to you, I want you to hear without the music, I want you to hear these words again, what God's done for you. It says, there's no shadow that he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up when he was coming after you. He would, he would do anything. No wall he won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me, coming after you. Sometimes, some of us tonight I feel like are believing a lot of lies about ourselves. Some, some people tonight have a lot of walls up on our hearts. As people, that's, that's something that we do a lot of times. And, it, and it's sad because it, it keeps us away from the love of God that he wants to express to us so freely. And so tonight I just beg you just to, let, just to, to release control, to let God in as, as we go through the word tonight because he loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you like you've never imagined. He loves you. And so tonight, let's just, let's just think about that before we go on because, you know, I just want to celebrate this. And this is something that, that should, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, if you've experienced life, new life in Christ, if you've experienced that, this should pump you up a little bit because I just celebrating some, over, over the last six weeks, we've had one Sunday where someone hasn't gone from death to life in Christ. Every week, someone has gone from death to life in Christ. That's something awesome. That's something great in the life of our church we've seen God do. And just a few minutes uh, a few minutes ago before you guys got here, we had 20 people go through Connector training, people who are wanting to serve our church in a way that God's called us to, to, to show Christ to people who are coming through our doors. And so I just want to celebrate those things with us because those are things to celebrate in the life of our church because God's doing something great and mighty in this place. And it's something that we need to jump on board with because one thing I do know is that God wants something for us more than he wants something from us because he wants, to, he wants to put us on mission for him and we're on mission for him and we're most satisfied in him and he's most glorified, then we're, most, we're satisfied in that. And that's where, that's where he wants us at. And so let's think about that tonight. And so um, just kind of reviewing, um, this week we're starting a new series called Heart and Soul. Um, it's the lifeblood of our church. It's, it's, it's what you are if you are basically other churches called members. Um, we, we have people who are heart and soul for the mission and vision God's given our church. And so the last week we finished up our series called Blueprint. And uh, I think the rain kept a lot of people out, out, out of church last week. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, 
blueprint was is, is basically going over the, uh, the, the, the cultures of our church. And basically those are evangelism and community and serving and generosity. And we believe as a church that if, that if your heart and your soul was sold out to those things, that you're growing as a Christian. Yeah, you, it's impossible for you not to grow if you're exemplifying those things in your life. And as a church, you'll be an effective church. And so what we talked about, we talked about we serve because Jesus served us first by dying on the cross, living a life that we couldn't live and giving us new life in Christ. He did that for us, he served us so that we could serve. He saved us, he sent us out to the world so we can do the same thing. Same thing. And one thing I do know, one thing I've, I've learned the hard way in my life is there's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't serve others. That, there, it's not, it's, it's, I find that nowhere in scripture. If, if we're followers of Christ, we follow him in everything. Everything he does, everything he did, we follow him in that. And so, you know, I feel like as, as believers, as people who go to church, people who, follow, who say, who, who relate to the, I'm a Christian um, conversation, like we should model our lives after that verse in, in Philippians 2 that, that Thomas just, just read us. It's not going after selfish ambition or vain conceit, but considering others greater than ourselves. That's the way to contentment. That's the way to following Christ. Because this is what I do know also is that the serving mindset that we talked about last week is it's not about me and it's not about you. The, the life you're living is not about you. It's not about you. God's given you life to give it away. It's not about a calling to, to serve on the parking team or the greeting team or the, kid, or the kids area. Basically what serving looks like in the Christian faith is you see a need and you meet a need. You walk into it the way that Christ did. And so our hearts, guys, in serving, we talked about last week, is whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. Whatever needs to be done, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. That's, what it's, that's where it's at. And, and the last thing we talked about was how this works is we, we, we get into the Word. We get the Word into our heads. God opens our heart to grasp the Word that's been put in our heads. And then the Holy Spirit works it out into our hands into our communities and our lives. And you're able to see that in a tangible way. And that's how our world, and that's how our community has changed for the gospel. And so tonight, like I told you, we're starting a brand new series called Heart and Soul. And this is the, this is the we're still in the intro series. And so many churches, you know, I told you a second ago, they, they have that uh, membership mentality. But our goal here is not to have a long church roster. We want to have a large group of people who are committed heart and soul to the vision God has given our church and pouring themselves out to see that come to pass and to happen. That means everything you've got, you're on board with what God's doing. And, and that, this is what I want you to understand. If God hasn't called you here, I would love for you to go to any church and pour your life out into the mission and vision God's given that church. Because my heart is for people to be growing in a relationship with Christ. Okay, that's where, that's where we're at tonight. So, you know, we've seen five campuses now five campuses, across all these campuses, we've seen people catch on to this vision and we've seen, you know, it, 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 communities forever change with the gospel working itself out through these people who are, who are allowing Jesus to use them. And I truly believe that God's at work in this place too. And you can't tell me that if you look around that, you, that God is moving in this place. This, this group started out with four people. And look around, God is moving in the Pooler community. And I would love for you guys, if you're not already, to jump on board with what he's doing. I believe he wants some of us tonight to come alive. I talked about this last week. I, I feel like, you know, sometimes we come in here and it's easy to disguise ourselves and kind of blend in with, with the church crowd because we know how to do that in the South. We, we, can, we can blend in for an hour, you know. And so I believe Jesus wants us to come alive in Christ. He wants, to, he wants to move us. He wants to move us into action, to be movers and shakers for the kingdom of God. I believe he's working in the hearts of numerous people in here tonight. I believe God's working on somebody's heart tonight. It might be one person, but it's worth it. 
One person might be, God might be trying to change, to surrender their lives to him. I believe with all my heart, guys, we're obedient to what he's calling us to do. Individually and as a church, this room won't be able to hold the amount of people that God wants us to affect for the kingdom. I believe that with all my heart. This is the problem. This is the problem that, that as a culture we've had as a church for far too long is that it's not been our belief in God because I, I'm sure if I, if I took a poll and I said, hey, do you, who believes in God? Everybody would raise their hand, right? Everybody believes in God probably in here. The problem is our view of God has been too small for too long. Looking at God too small. It's time for us to see who he truly is, not who we've made him out to be. Not the safe God that we've created in our lives to, to, to intrude only when we allow him to. It's time for us to put him as Lord and Savior and just in control of all things in our life. Then we'll see change. And so tonight we're gonna to be talking about what it looks like to be heart and soul. Not just for Connection Church, but for, for the kingdom. That's what we want tonight. So let's pray, and then we're gonna go into some scripture. It's gonna be 1 Samuel 14, if you wanna turn there. Um, but let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for just who you are. We thank you for just, um, just allowing us to be here tonight. God, we thank you for... Um, just allowing us to, to, to just be in your presence, Father, to, to, to walk in here tonight and really um, just to, to sing praises to you, Father. I pray that you would speak to us through your scripture. God, I pray that you would teach us what it means to be heart and soul for your kingdom, God, for, for, the, for the way that you want us to live our lives, God, to serve you and worship you, Father. God, I pray that you would change our hearts, God. Mold us and make us tonight who you want us to be. Convict us where we need to change, Father, and put us on a path of boldness and courage to be able to walk and step with you, Father. Well, we love you, and it's your name I pray. Amen. All right, guys, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, we're going to start there. It's going to be verse 4. And when you get it, uh, raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. 1 Samuel 14. Are y'all awake? We good? Because we can about to get fired up. If you ever, if you, I talk fast, and it's going to be like drinking from a fire hose tonight. So um, buckle up and let's roll. You good? Good. All right, here we go. It's 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 4. Um, 4 through 7 for sure. We might go through 14. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, it says, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozaz and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Let me stop here for a second. Um, go back one, one verse. Look at this. Look at the faith of Jonathan. He was, in, he, he was outnumbered, outflanked. He was, had no reason to think that two men could go against a, a whole army. And in this section, he was, he, in the, on these cliffs, there was 20 men you're about to see, but beyond that was a vast army of Philistines. Okay, his faith was so strong that God was gonna come through no matter what, okay? And so you see his armor bearer here say his response. He says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we will, go, we will go across over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait here until we come to you, we will stay here where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord was, has given them into our hands. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. 
In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in, in an area of about a half an acre. And so we see Jonathan taking action. He had faith. Jonathan was Saul's son, King Saul. Saul was scared to death. He had disobeyed God. They were hiding in caves and clefts of rocks because God had allowed them to be taken over by the Philistines. And Jonathan said, no. I don't think so. We're going we're gonna to be proactive. We're going to move forward. And he, he, nobody, knows, nobody notices Jonathan leaving. He goes up and he says, you know, he says to his armor bearer, this is what we're going to do, okay? And his armor bearer, if I was his armor bearer, I would say, look, bro, we might need to step back with the other army. We're, we, we got, we're safe. We're cool. This guy, there's just two of us. There's 20 of them. We, got a, we don't have advantage. We don't have anything. And so the faith behind his armor bearer saying, whatever you do, bro, I'm behind your heart. And so I've got, I'm, I'm on board. Whatever, I'm going to die for you if that's what it takes. How many of us have that kind of faith? You know, that's, that's, very, that's, that's, that's scary stuff right there, man. But the, listen, when it comes to the, the mission, the vision that God has for us, that's the level of commitment we want people to have that, that, that call connection home. Whenever God's called us to, to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus, that's what we want everybody to do in this room, to connect one another to a growing relationship with Jesus through your connect groups, loving on each other in your connect groups, in community, and to, and to, and to get on board with our, our, our vision of, of seeing 10,000 people reached by the year 2023. That's a huge goal. But we believe God has called that to a, with a purpose and a vision and a, and a direct line of where he's wanting us to go because we believe with all our hearts, guys, at the local church, this church, other churches, there is, a, is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world to bring the gospel. And it needs people who are willing to commit heart and soul to share Jesus with their circle of influence. The local church needs people who are willing to, to stop saying you and stop saying, start saying we. We are going to go. We're going to do. We're going to, we're going to be the vessels that God uses to reach the world. Okay, and so and stop sitting on our hands and, and be content with coming to church. And so as a church, we want to help facilitate this movement. Because what I want to say tonight is like, I don't want to start a church in Pooler that you can come to and start a new tradition. You know what I mean? Because we've done that our whole life, haven't we? Like we've gone to church and we've done Sunday school, we've gone to lunch afterwards, we've done this whole thing, you know, about youth and all. We've done, we've done it all, okay? My heart, Brandon's heart, every pastor at Connection's heart is to start a movement of God in a place that God has called us to and watch him carry it out the way he's called us to carry it out. And the reason we're here, guys, the reason we're here, I just said it, is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus, and that, the, the way that looks, this, this is the heartbeat of our church. Whether you're in the parking lot, whether you're in Connection Kids or guest services or the worship team, or whether you're preaching, you should be able to understand that our church is about connecting you to a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so the starting point tonight in this heart and soul, it, we teach this as a class. It's kind of like our membership, our starting point class. It kind of gives you an idea of what we believe as a church. And then it also, it kind of gives you a, a, a glimpse of where we see ourselves fitting in in the, in the global church. And so tonight you'll get a kind of a, a glimpse of that. And I'm gonna, we're gonna finish it up next week. So this is a two-week series. And so uh, I believe, and we believe as a church, there, there are five keys to a growing relationship with Jesus. If you take notes, um, this is going to be great. Uh, and so if you take notes, Jesus loves you more. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But take notes. This is great. That's, I was just kidding. Um, there's, there's five keys to a growing relationship with Jesus, I think. The first one is understanding salvation. You got to understand your salvation. What, is, what, is salva what does it mean? The second one is spending time with God. Obviously, that's, that's a huge one. Spending time with God. The third one is waging war. Not being passive, not letting the enemy just roll over us. 
waging war. The fourth one is embracing the four cultures of a healthy church. Number five is making disciples. We're going to go through those. We'll go through the first three today, and we'll hit the next two next week. But the first one we said was understanding salvation. We'll spend most of our time here tonight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. Um, just bear with me for, for a minute because this first part, um, I'm not sure if I can say this from stage, but it's going to suck. Okay? Just embrace the suck, and I'm going to get to the good part in a second. It's going to be great. Okay? And so what I want you to do is turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read through this together. We're going to do it together, okay? We're going to hold each other's hands and it's going to be all okay. Ephesians 2. It's going to be verses 1 through 10. And so my question tonight is for you to answer rhetorically in your heart is what does it mean to be saved? If somebody says, I'm saved, what does that mean? I'm not asking you for the American cultural Christianity. What does it mean to be saved scripturally? What does it mean? The best, the best um, definition that I could find, it, it says to literally means to be rescued from God's wrath in a, religion, in, in, a, in a Christianity form. Being saved means to be rescued from God's wrath. And so let's read this together. We're going to read um, verses 1 through 3 first, and then we're going to get to the good news after that. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest of us were by nature deserving of wrath, just by nature. So first of all, I want you to notice the word you. It's very personal. It's talking about us, we. It's, it's giving us a, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, not, not other people, not, oh, look at them over there, us, we. In this room, all of us were deserving of death because of our sin. It's personal. And there's only one category of people that we need to think about tonight. That's sinner. Can we agree with that? Every person's a sinner. If there's somebody that's not a sinner in here, we need to talk afterwards because I need you to work on me some, disciple me. Um, and so that's what I want you to hear, that sin is a, is a fatal disease that is, exists in the heart of every person dating back to Adam. We can agree on that, okay? So, and this brings us to the second word that challenges how our culture thinks about itself. Because um, sometimes it's, it's very arrogant to think about ourselves any other way. It, say, it says death. It says you were dead in your transgressions, dead in your transgressions. Our problem is not that we're, we're good people who occasionally lose our way and do bad things. It's that we were spiritually dead before we turned our lives over to Christ. Before we turned our lives over to Christ, we were spiritually dead. Many people think of, of sin as like bad actions, things I've done, lying, cheating, stealing, like whatever you may have done. But the word dead shows us that sin is not so much of an action as it is a condition. You, you follow me on that? Uh, our, our bad actions are symptoms of our dead condition. Y'all got, you, you, you follow me with that? Our, our bad actions are symptoms. You don't have the flu. This is a great example right now, right? We don't have the flu because we cough and sneeze. We cough and sneeze because we have the flu, Right? Are we awake? We good? Okay, here we go. I like when people talk back. It's good. We get conversation, you know. So we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Can we agree on that? As humans, our natural tendencies are to try to get out of this dead category by doing more good stuff than bad, right? We get in this place where we're like, you know, God, I, I, we try to do more good than bad, and we think we're in good standing with God. And then, and then, but when we can, even we even try to compare ourselves with people who do more bad stuff than us. Have we have we experienced that before? I do. I've done that. 
And we try to justify that. We justify our actions and lives by, by saying, I'm not as bad as this or him or her. I haven't done this. I haven't gone this far. I might be still okay. But this is the best example that I've ever heard. And I heard this in a sermon this week. And if you think this is not very sensitive, I apologize beforehand, but this is a great example for me. It was a very visual picture. So I think about like movies like Saving Private Ryan or some of these um, some of these military movies that have come out lately. And I noticed like the gore and the people who have died and the people who have been shot and blown, all, these, all this just gore stuff. And so I think about 20 people who have died on a battlefield, 20 people on the battlefield who have died. Some may look worse than others. Some may be blown up. Some may be shot in the leg or the head or the arm, but they're all dead, right? So my, my point here in this is saying, you know, some may be advanced in their death and further along, but, but in the end, it doesn't matter what they look like or they look okay. The, the important thing is they're all dead, right? And so that's what my point is. Because, we, because we're dead in our sins, no amount of religious behavior is gonna change the fact that we're dead, no matter how, what level of dead we're on. Does that make sense? Because we are sinners by nature, it says. Behavior changes only affect the outside. It doesn't deal with the inside, the heart. And that's what Jesus is about. Verse two, it says this. You're dead in the transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so it says, when, it says when you and I followed Satan and his rebellion is what this is saying. This is hard. Remember I told you this is bad. This is hard to hear. But before we can hear the good news of the gospel, guess what we have to hear? The bad news. Because until we have a proper view of the bad news, we can't accept the good news. And we can't see it for what it truly is. Other than the other, other things, rather than God, became our master whenever we sinned. Whenever we sin, other things become our master. We were supposed to carry out the will of God. Instead, we obeyed our, our impulses of our bodies and our minds. You know, our body says, have sex, eat, drink, take this, do this, take it easy, be lazy, and then we do it, right? We've done it. We've all sinned. Our minds say, make your own decisions, do your own things, obey yourself, make your own way, be good, be better, do better. As humans, we hate relating ourselves to this because we think we've done some good stuff, which may, we may have. There, I know a lot of people in this room, and there are a lot of good people in this room who have done a lot of great things. But when you compare that with the standard for which God judges, we've done nothing but evil in God's sight because God's standard is perfection and they can only be found in Jesus Christ. Can, can we agree with that? Okay, so tonight, you know, when we compare that, the only hope that we have for salvation is Jesus. And so tonight, I want you to hear this little analogy because this, this changed my, my, my thought process on the whole, well, I've done, I've done a little bit of good. I've done more than this person. I'm better than this person. And so I started thinking about this. Think, of, think, about, two, um, just think about two ISIS fighters who are, who are planning to bomb a school. One guy sitting on the tailgate, the other guy sitting on the tailgate. One of them says, man, I forgot my sandwich today. One of the guys says, hey, I got, you can have half of mine. That's a nice thing to do, right? Does that make him any, any better than he was before he offered him that sentence? No, it does not. Okay, that's what I want you to understand tonight. So you see, just because we haven't experienced the full outworking of our depravity, it doesn't mean it doesn't, it's not present within us. The capacity to do evil is in every one of us here tonight. 
The capacity to do wrong is in all of us. This is a, a pastor told me this one time. It blew my mind and it scared me half to death. The root of every sin is in every heart. We're one decision away from doing the sin we never thought we could do. We are. In order to, in order to really understand the gospel, guys, or, or place any value on it, we have to understand what we've been saved from. We have to. And I know this is, it's hard to hear, but this is the gospel. Until we understand the bad news, we'll never really cherish the good news. We never will. We can't cherish it until we understand the, the bad news. And Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite pastors, um, he said this. He says, the reason we think too lightly of the Savior is we think too lightly of sin. Only he who has stood before his God, feeling the rope of God's judgment around his neck, will be the man to weep for joy when he's pardoned to the, and to hate the evil which has been forgiven of him. And that's what it is. That's what saved means. Jesus is coming to stand in the gap for us while we were still dead in our sin. He came and died to take our punishment upon himself so that we could live for him. And we, that's awesome, right? That's good. And so let's read verses four through 10. Hear this. But because of his grace, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. Does that make anybody feel whew, tonight? That's awesome. That's good news. That's the gospel. That's good news. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order. The reason he saved you, the whole reason he saved you is round up in that in order. Those words right there, in order, that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches and grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, now not by works, so that no one can boast. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we were created, God saved us for service. God saved us to serve him. God saved us to live for him. And so these things, guys, tonight, I wanna share with you, that's, and that's, that's the gospel in a nutshell, is these three things have to happen. These three things have to, have to be present for salvation to happen. These three things. The first thing is the gospel. The gospel has to be present for salvation to happen, to occur. The gospel, you have to accept the gospel. You have to believe. It says, Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. You have to have the God, you have to accept the gospel. The second thing is repentance. A lot of times we, we mix up repentance and confession. There's a difference in repentance and confession. Repentance is, God, I agree with you. I'm changing my mind and I'm changing direction. Confession is saying, yeah, I did it. Repentance is changing direction. And when you come to Christ, it's, and Peter talks about in Acts 3, he says, or Acts 2, he talks about, you know, the, he preaches to the people and the people says, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized. There's a, there's a big R, repentance, that we do at salvation. Like, God, I'm a sinner. I need you to save my soul. I need you to come in and change my heart. That's the big R, repentance. The rest of your life as a Christian, we need to be living a life of repentance, continuously turning towards Christ. That's the little R, repentance. For the rest of our lives, we'll be living a life of repentance, turning towards Christ more and more and more. 
And the last thing, the third thing is faith. Hebrews tells us that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. The confidence that we know that Christ is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so to kind of give you a, a, a graphic here a little bit, it's, it's, it's kind of a, I'm good at, di- I love diagrams and I think it's going to be on the screen. It's basically what salvation looks like in a nutshell. Um, and there's three things to it. Um, for salvation, you're going to be justified. The moment that you turn to Christ, you're justified. You are, God takes away your sin. He puts, he puts Jesus' righteousness on you, and you're saved at that moment. Nowhere else in your life, no matter what you do, at no point in your life will you be more justified than the moment you first believe. It's, com- it's a completed work at the moment you, you, that you believed in Christ. When and if you've placed your faith in Christ after hearing the gospel, you're immediately, instantaneously made right before God. If you haven't, according to the Bible, you're still dead in sin. And that's a hard truth, but it's, it's truth. It's what the Bible says. And I promise you, I'll always do my best to preach exactly what the Bible says. Romans 10, 9 says this. I love this. And it, I'm, there's a lot of scriptures. Just write them down and go back and look at them later because there's a lot. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The first thing says confess. Confess with your mouth. That means I am talking out loud, Jesus is Lord. God, you are Lord. You are Lord. I am not. You deserve the praise. I don't. The second part is believe in your heart. Believing in something to the point of action. I believe to the point of action that that chair will hold me up. I'm going to sit in it. You're moving forward with your actions as you believe in Christ. Then you will be saved is what it says. To be justified means more than, than to be declared not guilty. It actually means to be declared righteous before God. And that's a good thing. It means God charged the guilt of our sin to his son, Jesus Christ, and has credited Christ's righteousness to us. That is the, the definition of unfair, isn't it? What have we done to deserve salvation? Nothing. God loved us to the point where he gave it to us as a free gift if we just believe and confess. That is where it's at, and that's so cool, man. Man, that's awesome. The second phase is sanctification. Sanctification. As a believer, God God sets us apart for his purposes, and you're on a life journey to becoming more like Jesus. Basically, from your spiritual rebirth into Christ to your death, that whole process is called sanctification. You're being sanctified to be more like Christ. You're being sharpened to be more like Christ, to be more like Christ. Philippians 2, 13 through, 12 through 13 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purposes. He works in us to work out of us. Does that make sense? Is, are we good with that? We got we to get on this. We, he, he works in us to work out of us. And so we, we can't sit on our hands as Christians. We can't do that. Sanctification, guys, is the work of God in our lives done through the Holy Spirit that kills our love for sin. Because I'm not sure about you, but I have a love for sin in my heart sometimes, and it's bad. Do we agree with that? That's bad. It's not good. It's not good to have love for sin in your heart. He refines us. He creates a new heart in us that pleases God. Because when God sees you, the Christian, he sees Jesus, the son. That's beautiful. That's awesome. And so tonight, there's, there, this is where the change happens. This is where people say, dude, you're different. Brett, what's going on in your life? 
Like you, you're reading your Bible. What is, you're praying, you're going to church, man. Like that's where the change happens. God's moving and working in your life. So that's what I want you to see. And, and so basically sanctification happens. You're positionally made holy. There's, there's a difference in positional holiness and progressional holiness. And I know I'm teaching right now and I'm, I love preaching more, but listen, I'm trying to teach you some facts here that we need to learn and hold on to as Christians. That we need to understand. And so pos- positional holiness, you've been positioned as Christians. If, you're, if you said, Jesus, you're my Lord, God has placed you positionally holy. You might look at yourself and say, I'm not <laughs> holy. That does not describe me whatsoever. But in God's eyes, he sees Christ in your life. Positionally, you're made holy. holy. And then there's another thing called progressional holiness. That's sanctification. Progressionally, you're being made holy into the image of Christ, into who he's called you to be. And that's what we need to be going after. And so the last thing is glorification. Glorification. Whenever our time on earth is over in Christ or Christ returns, whichever happens first, and we see him face to face, all things are going to be made new is what Revelation 21 says. All things will be made new. He said he will wipe away every tear. He says, every heart will be renewed in Christ, is what it says. Is that good news for anybody tonight? It's great news tonight. Revelation 21.4 says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, nor pain for the former things have passed away. What is it going to be like for some of us in here tonight to not have to deal with temptation anymore? Thank you, Lord. Um, it's going to be awesome. God is going to remove those things. He's going to make things new. And that's what he's doing in our lives is a direct representation of what he's doing in the world. He's got, Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new. The gospel, guys, the gospel is the fuel to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the fuel. It's what gets you going. The gospel, the gospel will never get old. We never get past the gospel. I don't care if you're a baby Christian or a mature Christian. You always come back to the gospel. The gospel never loses its reliability. The gospel saves us, but it also sustains us. The gospel saves us, but it also sustains us and moves us into action, and it keeps us going. Whew, that was number one. Here's number two. You ready? Number two. These are going to be a lot shorter. Number two, spending time with God. That's a, great, that's a great key for a growing relationship with Jesus. How do we spend time with God? Well, I will give you a good piece of advice. Spend time with God like you would in a healthy relationship with this person. Talk to him. Let him talk back to you. Spend time, quality time with him, just like you would with that. And this is some good advice. Listen more than you talk. How many of us go into God's presence? God, I need this. Give me this. Heal me here. Give me this. I need that. Help my kids here. Help my wife do this. Help me be a better person here. You know, we always are asking God for stuff when God is trying to say, this, I'm trying to tell you what your next step is as a person. You need to listen to me. All the things you're asking for will be fulfilled if you'll just obey what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Okay, that, that's what we need to hear tonight. Ask God to show you where you're at and where he wants you to go, period. That's it. Ask him, God, where am I at? Where am I at with you? Am I off in left field? If I am, direct me back to where I need to be, Father. And tell me where I need to go. Show me where I need to go. That needs to be our prayer as Christians every day. The next thing, be consistent. And when you're spending time with God, be consistent. This is the most critical element of any kind of relationship that that grows, much less your relationship with God, is be consistent in your time with him. Don't just flippantly spend time with him here and there. And, you know, it, it's, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay not to be perfect. And it's okay to miss days. But always go back to that time with God. 
Go back to relying on him for what he's calling you to do. And don't miss the point of this either, guys, because your goal in spending time with God always has to be about transformation and not just information. Because one thing I do know is when you get to heaven, God's not going to slap you a high five and say, man, you knew so many Bible verses. He's not going to say that. That's not what's going to happen. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's about listening to the word, listening to him speak and saying, yes, sir, and moving into action. That's what he's called us to do as followers of him. And so tonight, guys, that's my heart for us. If we're not allowing the information that we take in to transform our lives, then we might as well stop spending time with God because we're wasting our time, right? We need to listen to what he says through the information and put it into action. Let him do his work in us, okay? Um, the last, I mean, there's three things. There's three little quick things I can tell you is don't complicate it, um, Spending time with God requires just three things. Three things. It's simple. You. <laughs> you're required. Get alone with God. Get by yourself. Get alone with God. You're required. The second thing is God's word. God's word. This is the second thing. We're about to, we're about to lay out a, um, a, a scripture reading plan as a church. All five campuses are going to be on the same reading plan. If you want to take part in that um, on the 25th, of this month, we're going to actually be launching that. And so you can jump on board to that. If you, if you want to know where to start, that would be a great place for you to jump on board and start getting in the Word more. Um, the last one. So as you get along with God, the second one, God's Word. Three, prayer. Let God speak to you. You pray back to Him. And some of the reasons, guys, some of the reasons why we don't spend time with God, I think, these are kind of hard for me to even kind of communicate, but it is, this, this is truth. Um, you know, some of the reasons why we don't have a hunger for God's word, as I said this last week, is that um, we might be full of ourselves, you know, full of our own schedules, our own time, um, things that we're going to be looking at doing the here and there. So my thing is, if we don't have a desire for the things of God, what does that say? You know, what does that mean? Does that mean we're not saved? You know, that, that would pull us away from wanting to spend time with God as we might not be saved. The second thing is we're living in sin. If I'm living in sin, I'm naturally going to be turning away from God because I don't want God to see my sin because it's, it's embarrassing. And I, God, I've known you for so long. Why would I be doing this now? You know, we turn away. We value sin in our lives more than Jesus. That, that's cold, hard facts right there lived by me in my past, in my life. And this is what I want you to hear. The Bible will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. That's what's going to happen. The Bible is going to keep you from sinning or sin is going to keep you from the Bible or God. And in just a second here in a minute, the band's going to come back and they're going to play a song and, and they're going to, and we're going to, I, we're going to get a chance to worship. And this is a great time that you're going to have to, to spend before God and say, God, I, you know, look, I'm, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I, but I've, I've missed, I missed the point. I missed the point. I missed the mark. Some of you may have never known God. This is a great time for that too, but like tonight, guys, I need you to hear is that spending time with God is the most important thing that we can do every day, the most important thing at any level of your life, period. The most important thing is get along with God, read the word, and pray. That's, that's the thing. Last thing, here we go. Number three, waging war. Five keys, five keys to, um, to a growing relationship with Jesus is waging war. What can you expect when you get saved? And to put it bluntly, you can expect a dog fight. You can expect a fight. 
Because what's going to happen is this. It's two important truths to understand. If you're saved, if you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you and it brings out the desires of Christ out of you. But that new spirit is trapped inside of an old body with old habits. Can I get a witness on that? <laughs> because let me tell you what. If you spend 20 years on this sinful habit and you know you come into a relationship with Jesus, that thing's gonna be fighting you tooth and nail to go back into that old life, am I right? So tonight, guys, you need to hear this. Is even Paul talks about in Romans 7. He says, he says, I don't understand my own actions. This is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Okay, this is not to give him any kind of bad name, but this is Paul. He's talking crazy here. I don't understand what I do. For what I want, for what I do not do is what I want. Let me start over. Can I start over? <laughs> for what I do, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So it is no longer I who do it, but sin within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Because of this, guys, pursuing Jesus is an everyday battle that includes four things. I know I've given you a lot of lists, but this is my last one, I promise. Everyday battle, that includes four things. Fighting sins, number one. Fighting sin. Every day, you're going to wake up. I'm sorry to tell you, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to fight. You're going to have to fight sin. Fight it, tooth and nail. Punch it in the face, in the throat, all that stuff. You got to fight sin. The only way that we fight sin, guys, successfully is by loving Jesus. If you love Jesus more than you love that sin, it's going to be not a competition. The more we find our satisfaction in Christ and in him alone, the less we find our fulfillment and cheap imitations that offer empty promises of satisfaction. That's, that's my heart tonight, guys, is that we would always understand that sin leaves us empty and dead in the end. Always. Leaves us empty and dead. When our hearts are full of Christ, Sin just becomes less attractive, guys. God is more and he's most glorified in us whenever we're most satisfied in him. My buddy John Piper said, I know it's not my buddy, but I like him, he's good. God is most glorified in us whenever we're most satisfied in him. So tonight, are we satisfied in God? The second thing is choosing to walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. A plus B equals C. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Who's tired of falling into sin? Michael is. I'm tired of falling into sin. I'm care, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care what type of sin it is. I'm tired of falling into it. Live by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the, the desires of the sinful nature. Third thing, bear fruit bearing fruit. We all bear some type of fruit in this room. What type of fruit are you bearing for and what and who are you bearing it for tonight? We all bear fruit. What's your fruit look like? Galatians 5, 19 talks about, um, and through 23 says, it starts off by saying, now the works of the flesh are evident. But I promise you, the works of the Spirit are evident too. The fruits of the Spirit are evident as well. That is how the world knows where we stand. You want to know where you stand with Christ? Ask somebody. Say, what is, can you tell, I mean, what is, talk to me about how, I mean, how do I live? How, what do you see in me? What do you, what do you see is most important in my life? Somebody will tell you the truth, I promise. Find somebody that you care about, they'll tell you. Not by our words, but by our deeds is how we are 
determine our fruit. The last thing is this, is repentance. Changing our minds, our way of thinking, changing everything towards Christ, turning away from sin and towards Christ. Acts 3, 19 through 20, this is the last verse, I promise. Acts 3, 19 through 20 says, repent therefore, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The version I like the best is turn again, turn again. Tonight, there's a lot of people in this room that have been following Jesus their entire life. Following Jesus, guys, is about pursuit, not perfection. Pursuit, not perfection. You don't have to be perfect. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be in this room and have completely screwed up today or yesterday or the day before or tomorrow. It's okay not to be okay. But we wanna give you a challenge is don't stay in that place. Don't stay in that place when God's called you higher. Because if, if you've got breath in your lungs, God has a plan for your life, period. And so it's time to get on action. So this is the good news that we were dead in our sins and Christ came and raised us up with Christ if we were in Him. And so tonight, guys, where are you with this? Where are you individually, by yourself in your seat? Just put me and you in this room, let's talk. Where are you at with tonight with Christ? Because do you have a growing relationship with Him? Do you even know what a growing relationship means? I hope so, because I just explained some of it. But do you know what that means? Do you know what a growing relationship with Christ looks like? Have you ever turned your life over to Christ? Given Him the keys, the control, surrendering everything to Him and saying, God, not by my power, not by my will, God, but by your power, God, come and change my life because I need you, because I need a Savior, because I see my sin and I see who, how glorious and great you are. Have we been playing games with God? This is the scary part. Playing games with ourselves, I'll put it off. I'll put it off, I'll put it off. I, I, I'm not ready, I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. To, to, are we scared to jump all in? Like guys, do we love sin too much to stop? Do we love sin too much to stop tonight? Some of us need to give up control tonight. I'll be straightforward. Some of us need to let go of the stairwell. Some of us need to surrender. Some of us need to, to lay their guns down and say, God, I, I'm yours. Let him guide your steps. Some of us are tired. Some of us are tired. I've been in this boat, I'm tired. Lord, I'm tired. Some of us are barely getting by. Lord, I'm, I'll come to church, my last, this is my last chance. Lord, show up or I'm, I'm done, I'm done. Some of us are tired. Guys, let him revive your heart. He's the God that raised Christ from the dead with one word. That's awesome. Think about that. If he raised Christ from the dead, he can raise your dead life. So tonight, guys, listen to that. Let him revive you. Renew your spirit tonight. Tonight is the night, not next week, not the week after, not whenever your boyfriend or your husband or your wife can be here to, to witness it. Tonight is the night to take a step toward Jesus and allow him to show you who he is because it's very personal. Christ personally died for you. You, you around the room, he died for us individually. So let's make it personal tonight. So if, if you're here tonight and you've heard, you've heard the gospel tonight, you've heard it, and you never put your faith in Jesus to the point where you say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, then Connection, guys, we love to, to celebrate people going from death to life, 
we celebrate it. We, we, we ask you to take one step and we walk the rest of them steps with you. We do that together. And so if anybody's in here tonight that, that feels like I need to surrender my life to Jesus because that's something I've never done. I don't care if you're on the leadership of this church. If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, to now, now is the time. So if that's you, I just want you to ask you to raise your hand. And we wanna pray with you. We wanna walk with you. Is that anybody in here tonight? Amen. Amen. So, can we pray with you? Can we pray with you? Amen. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else in here tonight? All right, just a second. We're about to go into a, um, another time of uh, just a worship song. Um, we have a prayer team. If you guys want to lay something down tonight and be done with it and say, God, I, you know, I've, I, I know you, Jesus. I'm saved, but I haven't been living like it. It's time for me to make that turn. If that's you tonight, come to this altar and pray about it. Let, let God have it and be done with it. And we have a prayer team. If you want to pray with somebody, they'll be more than happy to pray with you. But let me pray for you, and then um, we'll, we'll go into that. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for all that you're doing, God. You're such a great and mighty God. Um, Lord, I pray that you would come. Speak to us, God, as we, as we go into